we've all thought that before, haven't we? You know, that I feel worthless, but that can't be right. That's, that's not right. I mean, um, we all know. We've heard Jeremiah uh, before God formed us in the womb that he had a plan for us. He had a design for us, right? Or Ephesians 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have a reason to exist, right? We know that. We, we, there must be a reason why we're here, that God's given us something to do. But that knowledge uh, slips away sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes it's hard to grab onto. We're at a creativity conference. Um, we're wrapping that up today. And uh, we've been talking about God's creativity and how that relates to us. And just stopping for a minute to think about how creative our God is. He made the single cell to be a universe of information. They didn't know that a while back. There's a universe of information inside a single human cell. That's creative. The eye of a gecko God made. He could have just made it utilitarian, open and close, not not beautiful, but it's amazingly beautiful. Going out to the universe, the far reaches of the universe that we've just been able to see in the last 15 years through the Hubble telescope, Crab Nebula. We could never travel there. It's so far away. It's gas and dust. It's so beautiful. It's God playing his imagination. This is the Karen Nebula. Light years from the top to the bottom of that, if you travel there. The creative imagination of our God. This picture is called the ultra-deep space field. Anybody seen that before? In this picture are 10,000 galaxies. That's as far as they could look in space with the Hubble. 10,000 galaxies. The creativity of our God. The amazing thing is that we're created in His image to be creative Hard for us to grasp, even like an iota of that, and to realize an iota of that. But it's true. We're actually in the bloodline of the family of God, right? When we get saved, Jesus is our brother. We're blood related to him. He said that we, he, we would do greater works than he did. And did you know that, I'm, I'm sure there's still some of you sitting out there going, well, I, I still don't believe it, I'm not, I'm not creative. Did you know that even the smallest decision that you make is a creative decision? When you decide what you're going to cook for dinner, creative decision. It is. So you are creative. You are. And as a matter of fact, God made you that way and he has joy for you when you collaborate with him in that. Just asking, hey, Lord, maybe sometimes, is there something special I should cook for dinner? He may give you an idea. And that's creative collaboration. 
You like that idea? <laughs> you know, you... God bless you with the ability to cook. Um, but back to this believing about who God made us to be. I have some scripture verses that kind of bring some things that set them out for you. I'm God's child, John 1.12. I'm a disciple. I'm a friend of Jesus Christ. This is who you are. I've been justified. I'm united with the Lord and I'm one with him in spirit. I'm a member of Christ's body. I've been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I've been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. That's an interesting idea, isn't it? I, someone was telling me yesterday that it's kind of like, if you know anything about computers, I don't, most of you probably, I don't know very much, but I know when you buy an expensive program like uh, Pro Tools or Photoshop or something like that, um, you buy the light version of it, it costs maybe $100 or something, the real expensive one costs several hundred dollars, you install it on your computer, it actually installs the deluxe expensive version on your computer. It puts the whole thing on there. But you can only access what you paid for. But if you had the keys and the codes to unlock the rest of it, you could. And that's kind of what our spiritual life is like. It's all there. We're complete in Christ. But he's leading us down the path to finding those codes and those keys and unlocking more and realizing more of it. I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. I am free from condemnation. I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. I am free from condemnation and cannot be separated from the love of God. This is the truth about you. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that God will complete the good work He started in me. You are a citizen of heaven. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You are born of God, and the evil one cannot touch you. You are a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine and a channel of His life. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I'm not saying that in like, you must bear fruit. You, I'm saying God will bear fruit through you. I am God's temple. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. I'm seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. You may approach God with freedom and confidence. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. wonderful, important, solid truth from God's word. Yet, it doesn't sink in sometimes. A lot of us have heard it over and over. And it still hasn't really gotten inside. I remember... Um, about 10 years ago, 
I'd been Christian for a long time, for 20 years at that point, and uh, maybe a little longer. But um, God got through to me with a work of art. And this picture's up out on outside in the story. Uh, a bit of the story is about it. But um, we had uh, some services about the prodigal son. And one of our artists, Tony Spittler, who's now in uh, lives in uh, Chicago, um, made these giant four by eight chalk drawings. And when he put this one up, I remember looking at it and feeling literally repulsed because I didn't really know why. I didn't. I really couldn't put my finger on it. Later came to found out, find out that, discover that it was, the intimacy was too close. It looks like the father and son are going to kiss. It's just as uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me. But over the weeks, God kept drawing me back to that picture to the point where he finally got through to me about how much he loves me, how intimate he wants to be with me. It was a pivotal moment for me. But it was just a point in, in the journey. I feel like the journey is continuing. And, you know, there are, there are a lot of reasons I'm, why uh, that intimacy felt weird to me. And um, a lot of it had to do about lies with my, uh, that about myself that I had told myself, that I had heard from the enemy, <clears throat> that I heard from other people. And in a, in a lot of cases, I think there are lies that are going on with a lot of us that keep us from being able to really realize those truths that we were talking about and also really realize how much he really loves us unconditionally. The unconditional thing, <clears throat> again, it's one of those Christian cliches. God loves us unconditionally. But what does that really, what does that really mean? Have we really felt it? Do we really know what that means? We're going to do something to confront some of those lies. In your uh, pocket, uh, in front of you, um, there's a rock. It's an ugly piece of gravel, all jagged. There should be one close by if there's not one right in front of you. Find it. I want you to hold that in your hand, feel the texture, the graininess. It's, uh, it's rough. It's gritty. It's a little bit dirty. I'm sorry. We cleaned it off, but it, it's not completely clean. It's not sterile. <laughs> but as you hold that, think about some of the lies. Some of the lies that some of us believe. Lies like, I'm not good enough. I'm too different. I can never be accepted. I'm too different. 
I'm not good at anything. Nobody likes me, really. That makes my heart just, I feel that when I'm saying that. What if somebody laughs at me? I'm not creative. Nobody understands or would understand my secret. Are you still holding the stone? Relate to those ugly untruths to that gritty stone. I don't make enough money. I'm not smart. I'm not pretty enough. I can never be forgiven. I think even as we put these all together and just are saying them, then what Robert said earlier, it can't be right. Becomes more evident. Those are lies. So what what we're going to do is take a, a little step to leave those behind today. We're going to actually, part of what happens is that we agree with those and give them power. That's when they get power. But God says when we confess our sins, our agreements to him, he's faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse us from all unrighteousness instantly doesn't take a little while happens instantly so as you're holding your rock ask God to just maybe whisper to you what is that lie or those lies that I would like to repent of today so take just a second do repent of listening to those, of agreeing with those lies now. In the name of Jesus, we lay them before you. We want to think differently, Lord. We want to agree with what you say instead. Now, the next step, we've got this bucket. I'm going to invite you to come on up and throw your rock in there. So come on up. We're giving it to God. And as you do that, go over to the side, and you're going to find some smooth stones laying there. Pick one of those up and take it back to your seat with you.
the Old Testament, when the Israelites, when God did something for them that was meaningful, crossing the Jordan River or different miraculous things like that, different turning points, touchstones, if you will, they often built a pile of rocks as a monument or an Ebenezer so they could remember what God had done for them. The stone that you're picking up is an Ebenezer. It's a touchstone for you. Because like I was talking about with this picture over here, it didn't matter. Well, all of the scriptures and all the things that I'd learned over the years, it had to be the revelation of God. He had to reveal to me how he felt about me personally before I really got it. So we're going to take a risk here. I just took a risk of putting those in there and giving this over to God. The next one is we're going to believe that he is going to reveal to us how he feels about us because he is a God of, of immediacy. He, he hears us when we pray and he responds. That might not be today or it might it might be this week, might be a month, might be several months from now. But we're going to ask God to reveal how much he loves us and how he created us. So I'd like to have you guys stand. This whole concept of unconditional love, just imagine that uh, no matter what you do, no matter what you don't do, no matter what you intended to do, say for God, that you never followed through on, no matter if you never did another thing for God in your entire life, it would not change the way that he feels about you. To quote a book, he is especially fond of you. He's especially fond of you. So holding on to your rock there. Lord, you made us and you know what we need. You know what we need to encounter you and to really be free and walk into what you have called us to to really understand how you love us and how fond you are of us. So we ask that you would reveal that to us. Maybe today, we're just going to wait. If it's, it might be, we're going to wait if it, if it takes a week. Of course, after we leave here, we won't wait a week here, but you know what I mean. So when, when he does reveal to you some, re some revelation about how much he loves you, who he created you to be, I want you to write with a sharpie the date. And if you have room on your stone to write about what he said to you, you can do that too. But carry this with you. He will speak. He will meet you. 
meditate that on that now while the band sings a song for us. You can sit or stand, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Your birthday. Winds shift over the harbor. Clouds shimmer back. The first light of this summer morning. Great sails wrapped up against tree-sized masts are ready to run over the open waters. While the sailors sleep, almost ready to rise, the anchors not too far underneath the surface of the sea, sleep like giants, holding the ships all night. The harbor is a safe place, protecting the boats and mariners from towering thunderheads and power-releasing storm waves, the harbor shelters. As the sun peeks over the horizon, seagulls, a battalion of them, dart like bombers in from the open ocean. Their white gray bodies reflecting the uh, multicolored sunrise. They are soaring beach glass. God has thrown them sailing, cruising his confetti for this birthday. It is a birthday. Some sailor in port will wake up this day to the anniversary of the day he created the world. The day God formed him, breathed deeply into his lungs, opened his eyes to his mother's tears. And, and fathers wonder, today is your birthday. God is anchoring you, setting sail for your journey. God throws confetti over you. You walk into his sanctuary and surprise his people. Smiles on their faces hug you and yell, happy birthday. He loves you. And as you stand on the tall ship, wind in your hair, the ship slicing through the water. You look to the sky where the sun and moon form two rings. He is wedded to you. You are his beloved. allowed to walk through the white picket fence into eternity? Can he see the stained glass window, sky beyond the borders of his safe house? Does he see the world as a church? The Lord would say yes. Will the kite soar on its own? Will it fly at night when kites don't fly? Will the other kites fly in that same sky in formation and solidarity? The Lord says yes. Will the dove come to the vine? Will it hover like a hummingbird in front of the fruit? Will the vine grow? The Lord says yes. What makes the colors run after the rains stream over the Japanese spring flowers, the bleary-eyed branches of white dotted flowers? against the not-so-still vernal pool seem to weep for a waiting birth. The 
the Lord would say courage, the Lord would say now, birth now, sing now, dance now, be now.